Hello and welcome to the SBS Cycling Central Tour de France podcast. I'm Jamie Finch-Penninger, filling in for Phil Gomes, and we are joined by Kath Bicknell. Say good day, Kath. Hi, Jamie. How are you going? I am doing very well. Did you enjoy last night's stage? Well, I, I mean, I wake up at four o'clock to get here to put news together so people can read it when they have breakfast, so I never get to watch it live. But I enjoyed the little bit of highlights that I saw in the morning. Excuses, excuses. Exciting work, finish. Work at four in the morning. Tan man, how yes. are you doing? Good. I stayed up, but I don't have to get up at four. Okay. Well. I do get up at four, but I just get up to go to the toilet, not to get up to go to work. You're getting to be an old man these days. Tony. I'm 43. 40 something, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I had a great time last night. I mean, watching. Watching the green and yellow jersey go off the front of the peloton, it's not a sight you see often. Mm. And it was a really enjoyable stage, I think, for everyone involved. Um, Kath, what have the reactions been like? Uh, I mean, I'm loving the reactions from Sagan and from Froome. Like, they were loving it. And Sagan saying, you know, after the stage, he couldn't believe that he's racing at the front with the yellow jersey. And crazy, crazy, he said, crazy, <laughs> crazy. He said they, had, they, they didn't even have any, have any breath. All they could say to each other was, go, go, go. Real bike racing. Yeah, well, maybe, Tanny, you take us through the action because it was on for, on for young and old from the, about the 90-kilometre mark. Yeah, I was about to say it was on for 100 kilometres. Uh, Phil did say in yesterday's podcast, you never know what you're going to get at the Tour de France. I think... That's correct. I, I thought the previous stage stage was pretty cool because we said the calibre of the breakaway there, I don't think that's unprecedented, but this is also unprecedented, perhaps not since Merckx have we seen. It's, it was a Merckx-esque move by Froome. And so we've been talking or deliberating about is Froome making these moves such as the one he made off the Perisord and then last night because of a lack of confidence? Is he worried about Quintana or is he um, simply just confident? And I think at first I thought after he did what he did on the Perisord, I thought, well, he's, he's clearly worried about Quintana. Now I feel quite differently. I think he, he's riding as if he's the boss. He also looks like he's having a lot more fun, and he said that after the stages. He said, you know, I'm riding like I'm a kid again, and uh, I'm just enjoying my racing, and it looks like it's um, paying off. Kath. Yeah, I think it's great. I think what we've seen happen, you know, in the last few years, like not that long if you think about it in big picture, but everyone's got so um, clued into riding with data and really measuring efforts and pacing themselves according to these kind of um, really sensible but tough strategies, but we're seeing people lose races because they've been too careful on the numbers as well. And and we know with Sky, people expect them to race by the numbers. And, you know, if I was Sky in the off-season, I'd be saying, well, you know, that's won us the tour before, but it's time to do something different that people aren't expecting and win the tour again from bringing some new element in. And, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a return to bike racing without a reliance on what the computer's saying on the handlebar. Mm. I think, though, Kath, they're still relying on numbers. If you're mm. seeing their way, they ride uh, uphill and down dale on the mountain stages uh, to Andorra, for example. But these types of stages, they're being more opportunist. So we even saw uh, on the mountain stages, we saw uh, one of their riders go off the front to Andorra, Arculus. So, yeah, these these are things which we haven't seen before. 
are they doing it because they are annoyed about the way you know people are calling them robots? I don't think so. I think um, Froome is developing as a as a writer. Still developing at 30, 31 now. Yeah, I think you can always learn things. I mean, look, he he learned how to descend like uh, Mohoric from Kwiatkowski. Uh, Kwiatkowski, the Polish writer who writer who was is on ethics now actually encouraged him to descend like that he said you can go much faster so he actually learned that just last year to to ride on his top tube so yeah you can still learn stuff and I think this is weird myth that really great athletes are magically great and they stop learning and they you know that whole don't think just do kind of argument it's like no the, the best athletes are always pushing further and open to new ideas and trying new things and and finding those extra one percenters all the time it keeps them engaged but it keeps it exciting too yeah i mean just look at how much training and cycling has changed since um even the last three years but i'm thinking in particular since sky came into the peloton and you know radicalized that way of um marginalized marginal gains in the training and, and they're sleeping. Well, yes, and you see, and you see now all the GC contenders. They do the warm downs after stages, whereas previously they thought it was ridiculous. And they've adopted, you know, all these um, small gaps to changing. Anyway, we'll get on to something else now. And you mentioned the Polish man Mikhail Kwiatkowski, and there was another Polish guy who actually created that final move at the end there, Maciej Bodnar, who yeah. went off the front. And I think Sagan was trying to give him the win there at the end. Was that? How you saw it as well? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why he didn't celebrate because he was trying to lead out Bodnia, but uh, Froome was coming too quickly. And uh, I, I think, you know, this just gets back to these guys are thoroughbred racers and they race. It was instinctual what they did last night. Yeah, there was no playbook. They, they And just Sagan, I mean... Let's not forget that 24 hours previously, he was in an all-day breakaway. How do you, to recover from that and do what he did yesterday for 100-odd kilometres, I mean, it was basically on-off, on-off racing because they were changing direction all the time and you thought, oh, okay, it's going to be a bunch sprint when it did come back together, that uh, that second group, but then 15 kilometres before the finish, it split up again. Uh, I... Yeah, I, I thought uh, Sagan was very gracious. I mean, being able to, he, he, he doesn't, it's not like he doesn't care about another Tour de France stage win, but to try and give a teammate a stage win at the Tour de France is is a pretty big deal. Well, Bodnar's one of the few teammates who actually travels with, with Sagan everywhere and he gets contracts with Sagan, you know, teams now. And you can see why after after that performance he really set up that move and then drove it to the finish along with Garrett Thomas who was the workhorse I suppose for Chris Froome and it's at the end of the day it's 12 seconds for Froome he's gained on his rivals and some of them some actually lost a lot more time like Joaquin Rodriguez Pierre Roland and Luis Menkes they lost about a minute each will it be significant come the end of the tour Kath? Oh, you never know, and that's why it's so exciting. But I think in the as far as tonight's stage goes, you know, he's got a thirty-five second lead now on Quintana. Um, how much can Quintana get on Monvontu? Um, you know, especially I don't know if we want to start talking about this already, but it's a shortened stage tonight because there's forecast of winds of over a hundred k's an hour at the top of the 
like at the summit and so they've had to they've had to make the finish 6k's earlier so is everyone going to go hard and fast and can they make the the time gains enough and early enough and are people going to blow and and what does that mean for the time trial the next day and yeah how much how much of an advantage will 35 seconds be well, they're all good talking points there, Tam. And anything you want to pick out for that? Uh, yeah, it's just not the wind on the climb, Kath. It's just it's the wind also leading up to the climb. So we we spoke about there's the Mistral and the Tramontan winds. There's there's two winds from the north, which uh, we we could see a repeat of yesterday leading up to the climb and. We saw Quintana, he, he was, uh, as Robbie McEwen said, he was surfing the peloton because he was isolated for a, quite a bit of that stage, I noticed. He was doing very well surfing, uh, but you know, I, I thought he was caught out in a number of instances and Star, perhaps uh, Sky will take advantage of that again. And then that, if he has to really chase, if he's in a group behind and he really has to chase, then that will mitigate any perhaps advantage he has going up the climb. And as Kath mentioned, they're only going to the Chalet Reignard, which they're still doing the most difficult part of Vontu. But then I also saw comments from Froome saying that the performances will be perhaps tempered because there's the time trial tomorrow. But that was always going to be the case going into the stage. And... Maybe maybe it'll be a bit less now because they're with the with the climb being shortened, so there's a bit less opportunity to take as much time on that on that climb. But it's still going to be very tough. It's um, still going to go for ten kilometres and about nine percent, which is you know nobody nobody would describe that as an easy easy profile. Yeah, I think uh, this tonight will be really interesting because I, I think Quintana must attack he he must he must gain time on Froome if he doesn't gain time on Froome tonight I feel that Froome pretty much is staring down the barrel of a a third victory in in this tour it means for me it means that Froome is superior in all respects I think it means for Quintana he's running out of chances to gain that time in his specialty area Froome's showing that he doesn't have to wait till one type of terrain to be able to, you know, get that advantage. He's he just got it at, at the end of last night's stage. He got it on a descent. He's not too worried about tonight. Yeah, and we we know that three years ago Froome won on this very climb on a very similar stage, albeit sixty kilometres longer, but it was basically. Um, fairly flat or undulating up to the base uh, where they start Vontu in Bedouin uh, and then they just go up. So he likes this type of stage. Yeah, so it's 178 kilometres now that it's been reduced and they do head over the Cote de Gordes. De Gordes. I should leave these pronunciations up to you, Tim, man, because I, my, my French is, in, in, you know, appalling. Anyway, and then, so that's a 3.3k climb at 4.8%. And then the Col de Tra... Terme at is that, that two, will do. Yeah, sounds okay. <laughs> Very frongly. At, at two point <laughs> at two point five k's at seven point five percent. Those sort of things will soften the riders up, I think, and then we'll see some maybe attacks on the crosswind section to try and get rid of maybe the Movistar team. Do you think, Tan? Yeah, well, I think those those windy sections actually is when you get out of the forest. However, they're, they're not doing that last six kilometres. I probably should qualify what I said previously and 
that Quintana likes multiple climbs on a stage. So even if he doesn't make time up and from, he still has a chance. But I just think he's he's obviously as each day goes by, his his chances become less. But for me, this is a stage that probably Froome will win. Okay, big call from Dan, man. Um, is it is it so much the time gained as at the moment as the mental side of things? Because it's what forty seconds at the moment back to Quintana, and it's not you know that that's make you can make that up in a mountain time trial, or the time trial, or any of the mountain stages quite easily. Is it more the mental side of things at the moment uh, between well, Quintana and Froome? I mean, I guess well, it's thirty thirty five seconds, um, which I just thought I should say out loud because yeah, it's better yeah, than yeah. not saying it out loud. But, you know, even even then that five seconds isn't a big difference in what we're talking about. It's, I mean, I think it's Quintana hasn't had a time to play that card yet. So it's about it's about laying that card and seeing what happens and things unfold after that and you adjust your strategies in response to that. I think the same goes for, for Yates and for Richie Port as well. We haven't talked about them yet, but, you know, they how, how are they going to stack up on this stage? I think the tour positions might be very much decided for them as well. Well, it was surprising to hear Yates say, I think Froome's going to win the tour because mm. he's sitting in second. Mm. What, what, what makes you, I mean, what, what, why does he not think that he can win? I mean, he's climbing great. Why not? I think people are getting scared. And I think um, it's that classic thing where, you know, some riders, they spend their career trying to reach first place and then they're in a virtual first or they're getting close to it and they stop backing themselves and... I think that can be the difference. It's not, not the physical strength. That's it's that other side of it that, you know, you, you stop believing you can do it early, and then you you live to that. Yeah, it's it's uh, like I was saying earlier, Jamie. It's Merxian behaviour from from this cannibalistic uh, kind of way he's riding now. It, it's he's uber confident, and I think Yates. I mean, he's he's this is the first tour where. He even said he wasn't at the start. He wasn't riding for GC. He just he doesn't just happen to be in this position, but I think he f- finds himself quite fortunate to be in this position. And I mean, if if Richie finishes on the podium, that's a massive success. Uh, Quintana, any anything other than first is a defeat for him. The, he's the only guy I can see overhauling Froome. I, I just feel, yeah. Uh, Froome is just up until this point, he's uh, he's looked infallible. Mm. But that's yeah, famous last words. Hey, like anything can still up happen. until up until he has a bad day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which which Froome has managed to avoid in the past. He his bad days have been because of injury or illness. Yeah, he he has or he has good bad days. If you like, I remember Daniel Martin saying in two thousand and thirteen. Uh, the person who has the least bad day will win the Tour de France. I, I think that pretty much sums it up. Okay. Um, well, that should just about do it. Uh, tune in from 10pm on SBS HD, via the Skoda Tour Tracker app or via streaming online and join us for all the fun of Mon Bon 2. Okay, that should be enough today. 